Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you Answering the Call, offering a glimpse into the spiritual journeys of local priests, deacons, and religious. And now, Answering the Call with Elizabeth Vicicelli. Hi there. Thank you for joining us here on Answering the Call on AM820. Uh, This is Elizabeth Vicicelli. Delighted to be here as always. My guest today is celebrating 25 years of priesthood, and I'm so glad that we finally have the opportunity to bring him in the studio and hear his vocation story. He is uh, Father Dennis Kagozi, pastor of St. John, the 23rd Parish in Canal, Winchester. So thanks so much for being here on Answering the Call today, Father. Oh, you're welcome. Happy to be here. Well, as you can tell by his lovely accent, Father Gagosi is not from Columbus. Um, so why don't you begin, Father, by telling us where you are from and give us a little bit of background on your family. Well, I, um, I was born in Uganda, at Kampala, Uganda, and I was one of eight, uh, and uh, my father and mother, Catholic, and uh, four brothers and three sisters, and we all grew up there, um, uh, went to school there. Until I finished uh, uh, college, a seminary in Uganda, then came to these United States. So where were you in that lineup of eight kids? You... I was the fifth. fifth so kid. I, was, okay. uh, I have a, an older sister. I had my older sister passed, but I had an older sister. And then I have two, uh, three younger than me, two sisters and a brother. Okay, so you're in the middle of this big Catholic family, yes. Catholic community, yes. and, and Kampala is more of a city. Yes, or it wasn't Kampala like a is village, the a big capital, city. but I mean, I was this. We basically grew up in this what today is a suburb. By then, it was kind of a could be considered a village, but okay. not so much. I mean, nine miles away from the capital, it wasn't very far. Okay. Yes. Okay. And a, a Catholic family at home practicing yes. uh, devotions or prayers, family prayers, that kind of thing. Yes. And we, of course, we, uh, which was common for people who could afford it, we went to Catholic boarding school, all of us. Right. And talk about that because, you know, I'm thinking Catholic boarding school for you would begin early, right? Like mm-hmm. right from the first yes. grade. So what is it like to go yes. away from your family for a big part of the year? And it's something that, of course, I didn't like it. And I actually remember the very, I went to my uh, uh, first grade. Uh, wow. Was, uh, Boarding school. I actually remember my first day at school. I remember crying oh. and being left by my parents there at school. And I could say I had the unfortunate opportunity of being in uh, my primary and secondary school. I was always alone. My older brothers, because we went to all boys, the boys went to okay, all boys Catholic okay. boarding schools, and the girls went to all girls uh, uh, Catholic boarding schools. The boys were run by brothers of Christian instruction, and the girls were run by Franciscan sisters. Okay. So I, my brothers had the opportunity of being in school at some point together. You know, I was all alone all through. So it was I was always alone when I went to school. It, but it was not easy. I remember at least through the fourth grade, uh, I always remember it was a sad, crying moment mm. to be taken back to school. And, and as we'll see by Father uh, Kagozi's story today, that I think God is preparing him yes. for what it's going to be like to to live away from family and, and that, to be on his and, own. And that so, is true. Starting from a very young age. So yes. when you think back on your elementary years, mm-hmm. okay, that part of your, your childhood, was there anything in your first Holy Communion or your fourth grade confirmation or, or this Catholic boarding school experience in that kind of time frame 
that got you to thinking about the priesthood or was that something that was going to come later for you? I remember very well because we, we would serve and once in a while we would go to the uh, uh, the residence of the brothers and they always had a priest who was uh, the like the chaplain of the school. I always was impressed by the lives of the brothers, impressed by the life of the priest, but never really thought that this is something I would do. But I do know that as when I felt, I think that's the, when the vocation, when the, the Lord got me or called me, that was in my mind, the back of my mind, the experience that I remember being around these religious brothers, both the teachers, but also seeing the priest that was the chaplain, you know, his life in the school. And just, I liked it, but I just never, I don't remember that that was the time when I said, oh, I would want to be this. But yet I think it, it left a mark on my in my mind. You know. And something else that was probably different for you than than the rest of us is where you came from, vocations were abundant. Yes. So it wasn't yes. like um, maybe the priests or the sisters were always like, you know, trying to sell that vocation, so to speak. It, it, they, it, people were responding to a call. So it wasn't like there was this, not that there's not a need for them, but, mm-hmm. but vocations were abundant. And that's a little bit different than what yeah, we're used to. That's very true. Actually, we had what we call minor seminaries. That is grade school, secondary school, and then, uh, yeah, yeah, really grade school and uh, secondary school seminaries. And so right from like fifth grade, uh, young men could go to seminary. And I know that for some parents, that was not necessarily that the child really expressed this interest in seminary, but it was also a great education. Right. And say a class of 60, probably about uh, six or seven ended up becoming priests later. Right. So... But yeah, there 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 is a, even now, even today, there's still an abundance of vocations to the priesthood and religious life. So, so while you enjoyed your faith, um, mm-hmm. relationship with God was good and everything. It just wasn't something burning on your heart. You, you know, it was just you know not not quite yet mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Um, you had a, another um, somewhat of a little bit of a challenge when you were about fourteen, and that you lost your mom. Yes. Um, was sometimes those kinds of occasions can really turn a person against God for a time. They get angry, mm-hmm. you know. And mm-hmm. What was that experience for you then I in terms must, of your faith? I must say, and I don't know, again, the grace of God and maybe the love of family, knowing that, you know, my brothers and sisters were there with me along and also my father. But I don't remember ever, you know, getting angry. And I, I remember just the comfort of people around me. And, uh, of course, something I've also kind kind of learned through ministry, I almost think that it's never easy. It's always a sad moment to lose a parent, to lose a loved one. But I almost, after that experience of losing my mother at a young age, sometimes I think it could be easier for a child to lose a parent than for an adult to lose a parent. Because for me, it was one thing I could think of then was, I was losing a provider, who mm-hmm. my mother, who's going to do this for me, who's going to love me the way she loved me, as opposed to thinking, oh, I didn't do this for my mother, I, I, you know, f- feeling sad that, oh, I should have said I love you, I should have said this or that. But it was more losing a provider. And maybe it's faith, maybe it's uh, being young. I don't remember ever being angry at God, uh, even though she died very young and very suddenly sick and, and died. Mm. But it could be the cultural way we, we relate to one another, the support of family and friends, but I was strong. 
strange that. Yes. Even though it, this is so many years late, I remember it like it was yesterday. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So as you were going on then, uh, junior high, high school, when did the more serious interest in, in, in going to seminary and, and potentially discerning the, a vocation to priesthood begin for you? I, I think it was, actually, I remember the moment where, because a, a priest a priest came to our high school. I, I, this was during my junior year of high school. And this was part of this high school. They would uh, bring a priest in to talk to students about the vocations of the priesthood. And this priest, uh, I think he was a teacher in one of the, se- actually a rector of a seminary, a, uh, one of the high school seminaries, came in and talked to us about becoming priests. And somehow, it, I think that in my class, there were three of us that got interested, and I think two of us are priests today, uh-huh. in that junior year of high school. And we, I got interested, these guys got interested too, and Somehow, I, from junior year, went to high school, uh, the senior year of high school, and I was just interested in becoming a priest. And part of it might have been, again, I was in a boarding high school. I knew the brothers, what they did, and there was a priest there to a priest chaplain. And it must have been that that was in the back of my mind what they did. And I thought, yeah, now I know how you become one. And so that was the beginning. Was it a surprise to your family that you announced, now I would like to go to seminary after I graduate? Not really, no. Um, and I remember my mother was still alive when this this came about. And I remember her saying to me, um, uh, actually, no, before this moment, the priest in my hometown, the, the, the parish priest, had talked about, you know, seminary. And I remember telling my mom that, you know, that's something I would be interested in. And I remember my mom telling the priest that he could be interested. But again, it was, and I think then it was a friend of mine, again, from the parish, who said he was interested. And I said, oh, we, we, could, <laughs> Me too. <laughs> we, could, we could go together. You know, he was, he was a good friend. That's so, this is before this priest came to talk to us. So that was there, but I don't think that was as serious. But I do remember my mom talking to the priest and saying, you know, this is possible, you have to do this and this. But yet, that was not as such. But I think and alone, alone without my mom there, when this priest talked to us, I really felt, you know, I just thought, it. I think this sunk in, that this is something I could do. And it remained part of my interest through the senior, senior year of high school. And after that, I applied for college seminary. Applied, were accepted, and yes. then off you went for four yes. years yes. to college seminary. Now, you'd been used to living away from home. You were mm-hmm. used to all-male environments yes. all yes. through your boarding school experience. Yes. So was um, college seminary much of a transition for you? Other than being a—I mean, the boarding school was very strict, too. And, of course, we were younger. And, of course, in college, that's for some young people, at least I noticed here in the United States, that's when— Young people break out and they are kind of express their sense of freedom and do things that maybe they wouldn't have done at home or in high school. But of course, you go into an environment that is very disciplined, you know, both prayer, more prayer life, spiritual life is emphasized. So maybe that might have been the difference, but I wouldn't have expected any different because if I had gone to a secular non-seminary, you know, a college that is not a seminary, Maybe life would have been very different, but I I was used to discipline in the high school. This was a little more because of the emphasized prayer life and 
like the silence in the evenings and uh, priests walking around sometimes watching, you know, you know that you are being <laughs> watched, how, what you did and, and all that. So, but it wasn't very different from the discipline that I would have expected. Right. And I guess also because of that abundance of vocations, Mm -hmm. you know, you had to make the grade there. You know what I mean? Oh, yes. Or or you're out because we've got other guys. You know what I mean? So there's a whole different mentality than here. That's very true. I I must say that one of the things. Not that you don't have to make the grade here, but you know what I'm saying? I understand. Because one thing I noticed when I first came here is to see even students, seminarians in college who kind of almost had an idea of when they would be ordained talking that far ahead. Right. And I'm like, not and you know no that wasn't not, a guarantee the, yeah Absolutely. there's no guarantee you know because there, there was an abundance so you know we're talking with uh, Father Dennis Kagozi, pastor at St John the Twenty Third in Canal Winchester he's our guest today on answering the call here on St Gabriel Catholic Radio AM eight twenty now Father you received a big surprising announcement towards the end of your college seminary something you never imagined would have happened talk about that I'm thinking end of college sem- oh yeah that that that's true the four years when they told me that I had been picked to go to the united states uh, that there was a scholarship given to the diocese the archdiocese of kampala for three students and i was one of those three uh, picked to go to come to the pa- pontifical college Josephinum. now i was in a diocesan college seminary mm-hmm. the other two who came with me were in the national seminary so my seminary had most basically students from my archdiocese. Their seminary, where the two came from, they came from a national seminary that would have had students from all over Uganda. Okay. So that was the difference. I was, they knew each other well, and I, I knew, barely knew them, even though they were from my archdiocese okay. and were sent here. But yeah, that was a, a surprise because I had never, in my dreams, I'd never thought that I would leave Uganda for anything. Right. And even if, right. and probably interesting that if I had a choice, they used to send students to Rome. So if that would happen, I would have thought that it would have been Europe, you know, Italy right. to Rome. But it just happened to be the United States. So you went off to America with the understanding that you'd be ordained yes. and returned to Uganda. Yes. But as we'll see, yes. <laughs> God had other plans for you. Yes. So was transition to seminary in another country a challenge for you? Mm, of course, the culture was a little of a challenge, even though you, they tried to educate you as to what to expect. And we, we had some who had already lived in the United States a little bit. Uh, food was not such a big challenge, but of course, missing home. You know, mm. I remember leaving uh, and one of my my youngest brother at the airport would say, "Oh, so you are leaving us too." I remember I always remember oh. when he and he was very young when he said that, and it it was it was sad and coming and missing them. But again, coming here, you had we came towards the end of August, so study, st- we had to start studies right away. And probably the challenge was in the language, both people understanding me and also me understanding the you know they thought. I spoke, you know, we, we spoke English. They couldn't understand but the way <laughs> Americans spoke English. I couldn't, un- I could barely understand. So the accents for both were were hard. But I think that the language was the main challenge, and of course, then the, be, being homesick. Yeah. But then you get to study and trying to learn to live in a, a different country. Some of that kind of fades as you strive to be in the new place. 
it was about the time of your um, ordination to, uh, to transitional deacon when mm-hmm. you began to think, you know, maybe I should stay in America for, you know, yeah. maybe two years after my or- priestly ordination. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you went and you got the permission from um, your own bishop yes. in Uganda to do that. And you finished up at the Josephinum, ordained in 1991 and incarnated. Is that the right word? Incarnated. Yes. For the Diocese of Columbus. In other words, you're being now put under the jurisdiction of, of our own bishops. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, again, basically, the idea was that at first you thought you would stay two years. Basically, I guess mm-hmm. the, the door was open mm-hmm. for you. Yes. When you wanted to return, you could. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so, as I say, 25 years later, to our delight, yes. you are still here in the Diocese of Columbus mm-hmm. um, serving us uh, through your priesthood. So why don't you summarize where you've been in that time? Yes, uh, ordained in 1991. Of course, after seminary, after I graduated from the Josephinum, the uh, that was in May, I had uh, to wait until October for ordination. So the uh, the bishop asked me to go to resurrection in New Albany. So okay. I spent uh, a few months there with Father Jerry Rodenfels. And then I was ordained in October 1991. And I was my first assignment was Marion St. Mary's uh, with uh, Father Jim Klemer as the pastor. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I from there, I went to uh, Seton Parish. I spent four years. I was lucky that I spent all the years that were allowable for an associate, those first few years. So four years in Marion, St. Mary's. Then I went to Seton Parish in Pickerington for four years, and there for, uh, the late Monsignor Steve Hawkins. And then after four years there, I went to Mar- uh, uh, Lancaster, St. Mm-hmm. Mary's. Uh, and my first pastor there was uh, Father Weithman. And then he left after one year, and then uh, Father Donald Franks mm-hmm. for the next three Wonderful. Then after those four years in Lancaster, I was then uh, assigned as a, as a pastor, uh, St. Thomas the Apostle in Columbus. And now and since then, last year. Yes, and then I was there 12 years again, completed a ter- the term. I, was, and then I, <laughs> I don't know came, if anyone else could say that. That's, yeah, I, I I was, I've been lucky in here. that way that I've stayed the full term, you know, full terms. And then I came to St. John the 23rd last July. So you have 25 years of priesthood in America. Yes. You have parishes that are a little more rural, a little mm-hmm. more urban, mm-hmm. everything in between. Big, small. Yes. Really, you've really served the gamut yes. here. What have been some of your fondest memories of being a priest so far? And uh, uh, so many. Uh, the, the, the love of, of the people. And I, I mean, we, we are loved as priests. And I tell people now, they ask, oh, how is the new parish? I say, it's wonderful. People are wonderful everywhere. And all you have to do is just enjoy them, you know, the love that they give. And, of course, that's also our, our mission. Our, our mission as, as priests is to uh, spread that love of Jesus as we spread the gospel. So maybe Sunday Mass or Mass, because I, I tend to think everyone is at their best, you know, when it comes to Sunday Mass. And you see the best of people. And you know, and when we pray, the grace of God does it all in us. And maybe that's probably the, and of course, probably every priest will say so. That mass, that that mystery, is the best moment of our lives. But yet, beyond mass, the being going to various celebrations with people, being there for for. Uh, Baptisms mm-hmm. uh, and then weddings, many numerous weddings, enjoying that, and then of even uh, funerals, being there, seeing the faith of people as we bid farewell to people, and enjoying just uh, seeing the, the faith that even the deceased has left has left behind in these families. There's a lot. It's hard to pinpoint that this or that, but I must say I've been blessed. 
I've been loved, and I, I think in, in, in effect, I've loved and blessed so many along the way. It sounds like you've acquired uh, many families, you know, your own family yes. has just grown and grown, yes. but still there is the family in Uganda. Yes. Have you been able to get back over the years to visit them? I do go, and I th- uh, s- several times. That f- when I first came here, it took maybe seven years before I went back, you know, wow. my seminary it's a years. Long time. And then, so the, that homecoming was indeed a, 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 a feast, you know, yeah. uh, you know, because it was first time they saw me as a priest after such a long time. So right. it was great. But over the years, I've been able to go back. And, as, uh, you know, I have a brother and sister in London, England, and then, of course, the rest of the family in Uganda. And been blessed in so many ways to go back. Actually, one of the greatest blessings, I must say, one year, 2012, I went back just to visit as usual. But then my dad, I usually go for uh, four weeks. Mm -hmm. After two weeks, my dad just got sick, suddenly died. I had visited for two weeks. But then I also had, after the funeral, I had two weeks to kind of settle down. And so it was a, a... I almost thought it was a miracle because he was not dying. He wasn't sick. No. This just happened to take place while you were there. He was 88, but it just happened. After two weeks, I was there visiting and laughed and conversed, and he died, got sick and died. But then I had two weeks, not to rush, but to be able to be with family and kind of settle things and come. So it's a unique blessing. That was a gift. Yes. That sounds like that was a gift. But yeah, I must say it was. But, but yeah, I, I'm able to visit and communicate. And, of course, modern technology makes it a lot easier to communicate. But I still want to always visit. And have there been any other travels in your priesthood, any pilgrimages oh, that kind of I've, stand out? Or? I must say, beyond pilgrimages, I've been blessed. I've had weddings. People have invited me to do it in Spain. I had wow. in, uh, in in the Netherlands. Oh and my just gosh. recently, I had a wedding in the Philippines. Oh, so those are among wow. the travels. And then last year, I went to the Holy Land with a whole group of people. So being blessed in so many ways, the friends have encountered and made people that we share God's love amazingly have invited me in their lives to in such special, unique ways and traveled the world. Uh, which I probably wouldn't have done, you know, uh, uh, on my own. But these right. families invited right. me, and I've gone and yeah, just enjoyed. I'll tell you. See, who guys. says the priesthood isn't yeah, an exciting very vocation? True. Uh, very my gosh, true. Yes. awesome! You know, Father Kagozi, as mm-hmm. you look back and and you see how God's worked in your life through your family, through your boarding school experience, to to lead you into this current vocation, because it didn't sound like there was this one moment where a light bulb mm-hmm. went on or all mm-hmm. these people were saying, you should do this. Mm-hmm. It just is a gradual unfolding, yes. as it is probably for the most of the priests I've spoken to mm-hmm. on the program. But what advice would you give a man today who's possibly discerning this same vocation? I would say uh, definitely discernment, and it can take various forms. You know, people go on long retreats, people, uh, definitely prayer is part and parcel of that discernment. But I think, ultimately, somebody go. If you feel the call, go to a seminary, you know, after you talk to the vocation director, talk to the uh, priests or right people that are close to you. I would say go, because some I, I felt this call. I went, and as time went on, I just felt like this is where I should be. And I, I think the Lord who called me made it so. That even when I've struggled, it's just something, there's always something that makes it feel like, wow, I'm so blessed 
to be who I am and to be where I am. But I think just go and be and let the Lord guide you. Well, I think you will know. That is advice for, for any vocation, for yes. any, any life of yes. a Christian, certainly. Yes. Um, do you have any goals or dreams still to accomplish in your priesthood? Um, I, I just, uh, sometimes I just say, I live moment to moment, live every day, and I thank God every moment. You know, I may be struggling over something. I shouldn't have said that or done that. But then I go meet the people each day in the morning, the staff, the people who come to daily Mass, and I just feel like I'm lifted. My own issues are gone, and now I can just smile and enjoy the people. So I thank God. Oh, that is beautiful. And Father Kagozi, we thank God also for you. And while that door to Uganda may still be open, we hope that we'll have even another (laughs) 25 years in the Diocese of Columbus, because you you are just, we can see the trail of very um, loved people, you know, that that you're leaving behind as you go from parish to parish, and and you are a true blessing. Can you leave us with your blessing? Thank you. Thank you. And may the Lord continue to walk with you and bless you and be there for you every moment of your life the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you again, Father Dennis Kagozi from um, the parish in Canal Winchester, St. John the 23rd. That's a whole new name for that parish. Um, Sharing his vocation story here on Answering the Call on AMA 20. Uh, Join us every Tuesday and Sundays where we interview other priests and deacons and religious about their journeys, how God called them into their current vocations, how they're serving our diocese. In the meantime, you have a wonderful week. God bless you. Answering the Call is a production of listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820. Archives of Answering the Call with Elizabeth Ficcicelli are available at stgabrielradio.com. Veni, so-